0: Welcome to Amusement Sparks. This is the Remodels and Renovation Special, the wrap-up of Season 1. We're going to be going through those first five parks and revisiting them, making any changes that we see fit. On this episode, I'll be having two different guests. They were on Episodes 3 and 4, so if you've heard those episodes, you've heard these guys before. But I'm going to be kind of splicing between the two interviews, so um, I apologize for any awkwardness that might have occurred from that. But, hey, you know, what are you going to do? My guest right now, is Nick Robes. Hey, Nick, say, (laughs) (laughs) what's up? There you go. Excellent. You may remember that voice from our Scooby-Doo episode. Um, Nick seems to be the internet's Scooby-Doo expert of the moment. Uh, (laughs) The podcast, you're on on all kinds of podcasts representing Scooby-Doo. It's pretty sweet. (laughs) Yeah. I show up every now and then. It's kind of (laughs) crazy. Yeah. It's awesome. You're, you're definitely crossing over into a bunch of other podcasts that I listen to. So it's been pretty exciting. Like there he is again. He's showing up. I,
1: I do take pride in being the only American Scooby-Doo podcast.
0: That is so cool. And I think unusual because <laughs> I feel like there are so many podcasters out there, but they're almost all just doing video games, you know?
1: It's also interesting. I uh, I, I started watching Westworld, yeah. which, you know, obviously everybody immediately got into Westworld. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, I'm sure somebody's done a Westworld podcast, but let me just look it up and see. In three episodes of that show. Yeah there were 28 Westworld podcasts.
0: Oh, my God. What? That's
1: crazy. Yeah. Huh. I mean, the Internet is a glorious thing.
0: It is a mysterious and magical thing. It's infinitely huge and then infinitely small at the same time. It's so weird. Yes. And uh, so now to introduce you to my other guest. So, Peter, how might my listeners be familiar with your work?
2: Um, What? I was on episode three of this podcast
0: correct it was the uh, forgotten realms
2: yeah and then I, I do a couple other podcasts as well uh my main one is uh, what peter versus peter it's a board games and video games podcast
0: absolutely and you were just telling me you started an, a, a new podcast since you started your first one and this one sounds yeah. really appealing to me too but i haven't checked it out yet
2: yeah it's called a uh, amateur movie critics podcast it's just uh me and my friend Red, and we just go over a different movie a week
0: that sounds awesome i'll definitely have to check that out Um, The first episode I ever recorded was on Nintendo Land. Um, I'm a huge fan of Nintendo, and that park focused on the first-party Nintendo properties, which those are the ones that were made by the company Nintendo, not just games for Nintendo systems. So I know that's kind of like a, I don't know, jargony thing for people who are not really into video games, but...
1: (laughs) Hyper-specific.
0: Right, it's relatively specific, although Nintendo, you could argue, is relatively ha- a household name so <laughs> well
1: also nintendo kind of falls into one of those ballparks for me where it is very disney-esque because they mm-hmm. are very concerned with branding they're very hermetically sealed off from the other gaming systems have you read uh like console wars or uh, the super mario history i've read or console wars things?
0: yeah and yeah. i i subscribe to a um, retro magazine which is like a retro video games magazine and Most of the podcasts I listen to are about old video games and video game history. In fact, I teach a workshop at my school about video game history. (laughs) No way! Yeah, dude, it's awesome. My school is is legit. It's it's a really fun class, but I love the history of video games. Welcome to Nintendo Land. Peach's Castle serves as the hub of this park, with pathways to Super Mario World, Hyrule, and Donkey Kong Country. Thrills include a Donkey Kong minecart, Star Fox and F-Zero coasters with a Wind Waker water ride. If you're seeking more interaction, you'll love the Metroid and Star Fox dark rides. Meet your favorite Nintendo characters and watch them interact in new and exciting ways. Attractions include a Yoshi merry-go-round, Mario mini golf, Luigi's Mansion haunted house, Splatoon vs Super Mario Sunshine paint and water gun arena, Zora water park, and the Animal Crossing Village. Play carnival-style games in Wario's Warehouse and Mario Party Place to win Kirby hats. Throughout the park, enjoy our various top-notch playgrounds based on Super Mario World and giant-sized toys to make you feel like a Pikmin. So, But, I mean, like Donkey
1: Kong Country, Mm
0: -hmm. so you have...
1: His bananas are always stolen.
0: Yes, that's true. He's always trying to collect those bananas, just like Mario's trying to get coins and Sonic's trying to get rings. They've got their... You know, they they need got to get their fix or whatever.
1: So within the park, would these be interchangeable, or would you have to pick? Hmm. Would you have to pick which one you want to get that day? Wow, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So is it like you're you're trying to find as many bananas as you can when you're there, like that kind of a thing? Yeah,
1: yeah. and then bananas are what you have. Yeah, and then you have to go for coins. They if could you want be coins. I like
0: that idea, and they could be just separate, uh, se- separate goals you're trying to get. Like you know, get 100 bananas to get this reward get 100 coins to get that reward and they can be yeah maybe they're both found throughout the whole park Potentially.
1: almost like a like a tickets at an arcade yeah you
0: know? oh that's cool and i don't know it could be maybe like uh they could be little images like little stickers hidden on stuff almost like a graffiti kind of thing or like wheat pasting where an artist will just like hide something kind of subtly you know like on an overpass or whatever and you'll have to kind of keep your eyes peeled to find those those little things, almost like hidden Mickeys at Disney World, um, yeah. where they've kind of subtly hidden them.
1: I'm a big fan of the digital age. I, I oh, say yeah. we do this this virtually Yeah, you'll know, think
0: a smartphone maybe, and like, uh, it could be an augmented reality thing, like, uh, I don't know if you've played Pokemon Go, but, you know, it kind of uses your camera's image that it's capturing as the background and then overlays some kind of, you know, three-dimensional computer-generated image over the front of it, so it could be like that, like, you hold your Camera up to this trash can, and then there's just a banana floating on top of it, and you've collected the one banana,
1: or your coin, or
0: yeah, I, I don't know what the high rule version would be. um Rupees, which are these—they kind of oh, look okay. like gemstones, but those are their their currency. I I hadn't even thought about that, but true. We should have those how could currency. I ever forget? banana <laughs> yes, yeah, such a nice sound. That's one of those games. I
1: I always remember the the Super Nintendo version. Mm-hmm. I, I played that for hours on end.
0: Yeah. I, I love that series, just the, the freedom of it. And, the I don't know, there's, there's a lot of like mystery in those, especially in the early games where they were first like figuring out to make this game, not an arcade experience, but an actual like long thing that tells a story that you're going to play for more than one day. Cause like arcade mm. games, you kind of do the same thing every day and just try to get a little bit farther. But then right. once they start implementing a save system, like I can save my progress. And then they started, you know, putting in secret little hidden things all over the place and, um... Just adding more complexity to the world. And I really like that. I really like that. like
1: suite. the idea of revisiting a location. Yeah. Once you've learned it must a new have been skill. revolutionary.
0: Absolutely. So true. And I, this is like, I have never really talked about math teaching on this podcast, but it keeps coming up this episode for some reason. Um, oh, I, get- I, I set up my Algebra 2 class last year where it was based on Legend of Zelda. So um, each unit was one screen of the map. <laughs> Once you learn that unit, there's, like, certain parts of the room that you can't get through because you don't know how to, like, blast open holes in the wall or whatever. So you just go to the next unit, and then maybe one more unit after that, you figure out, like, oh, that's how you use bombs. Like, you learn about bombs after you pass this one quiz, and then you can backtrack back to that first unit, use the bomb there, and then get into this next cave system. But it was basically just a physical Legend of Zelda map based on the curriculum map, and it was like, oh, you have to learn this skill first, and then you can go back to these old types of problems and use the new skill to solve them faster and it was like this matches up with legend of zelda i'm so excited to be able to use this in school and i mean i think math and video games are both pretty nerdy subjects so they go they pair well pretty well together (laughs) for sure i love the, the collecting currency thing that sounds really fun and it would be a cool um incentive to just you know kind of pay attention to what what you're doing and keep your eyes peeled for these these hidden little things all over the place. And it's
1: another one of those things where you, you can opt in, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can do it, or, I mean, if you don't do it, no skin off your back, right. you don't do it.
0: And, you know, maybe it's not even something, it's not like there's uh, experiences that you can't get. Like, they're exclusive to people who have 100 of this one currency. But maybe it mm-hmm. replaces, um, like, it counts as a token in the arcade or something like that. Like, it gives you something that you could pay money for for a discounted price or for free once you've completed this challenge. And I don't know exactly how the park would track that. I guess through your, your account on your, your smart device or whatever. Um, mm. It just keeps like a running total of how many bananas you've collected. That's that's a fun thing to add. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. If there's like limited edition collectibles or, you know, collectibles mm. you can only get if you've uh, completed this little challenge, that, that'd that be pretty fun.
1: Cooper Shell beanbag chair. <laughs> Whoa.
0: So it's it looks like this really hard, like, painful object, but then you sit on it, it's like, ooh, this is <laughs> crazy. What was that sound? Oh man, I just feel relaxed after even just hearing you relax like that. Um <laughs> something else I was thinking about with collectibles, um, mm. because I really love like Nintendo sound effects. Um maybe you can unlock sound effects through completing certain things in the park and then you can like set your ringtone to be that or whatever. Like if we if we're gonna have a smartphone app, you know you get like you can earn wallpapers for your for your device or you can earn like little sound effects or there could be like little free things like it doesn't cost cost us anything to deliver them but they are mm. exclusives to people who have completed this one achievement
2: when i was listening to the episode i didn't see a lot of like shows mm-hmm. like nintendo shows which would like with the like range of characters that they have like shows would be really great fit for nintendo uh so like I definitely, like, uh, Fire Emblem, which is a game that I started playing recently, would be a really good fit for, like, a 4D, like, 3D show. Mm-hmm. Just, like, Marth and all those characters going to war, fighting the forces of evil. You could throw in, like, water effects and fire effects in there, too. Oh, cool. I think it would just be, like, a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, that seems like a really cool world. Um, th- there's so many different, like, really cool Nintendo characters, and that was... Like, one of the first things that jumped to mind when we started recording that first episode was, like, they're going to be walk-around characters from every single series because they have so many iconic character designs. And I think um, seeing them interact with each, other's, each other, like in um, Super Smash Bros., is, like, something that's really got a lot of people more and more into <coughs> Nintendo, is seeing, like, well, what if there's kind of, like, a mashup or a crossover where you see these characters who would usually never coexist you know, in the same exact space interacting with each other. And I think kind of doing that kind of thing in person would be amazing at the theme park. If you can see, you know, Kirby and like Captain Falcon like hanging out together and they kind of do like some scripted interactions with each other or like stage shows or like you said, 3d or 4d theater, um, experiences would be really cool. And, and the ability to either focus on the story within one world, which might be more cohesive or a kind of, um, you know, smash bros esque, uh, crossover event where there's characters from these different worlds interacting with each other in the same in the same you know story i think that'd be really exciting as well
2: yeah well i definitely have here my second show that i like planned up was a smash brothers stage show oh in front of peach's castle Uh and like all the characters will like fight each other it'll be a huge like scripted like combat thing but with like real real life characters yeah i think that'd be really awesome oh that Uh, sounds great and like another cool thing that they could do is like have different outcomes each time, because no no game is the sa- like no match of Smash Brothers is the same. Mm-hmm. So why not have like different outcomes for for each show that they do?
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. I I'm starting to see this almost like a pro wrestling type event, which I I'm really into pro wrestling. But just because when you play Smash Bros, it's there's so much jumping involved. Like and the characters can jump, you know, ten fifteen feet in the air in that game um, or higher. Like it's just totally unrealistic. So if you have human character is trying to act out these things it's going to be a lot more uh ground based a lot more terrestrial so i think it would be like you'd have to set up like you know a boxing ring kind of thing or a wrestling ring and kind of have them you know just like real you know wrestlers how there's a a performance arc that's kind of designed and they they get to kind of like improv a little bit on top of that but it's there are those big like scripted um specific battle scenes that would be really cool to to watch play out live in front of you and especially had a different outcome every time like Man, that'd be because there's a reason to root for people in that situation. It's like my guy might win this time. You know, my favorite character might be the one coming out on top today. We'll see. That'd be awesome.
2: And then I had had one other like thing planned. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever played Advanced Doors?
0: Yes, I love that series, and um, I don't remember if we ended up. I think I edited it out, but um, I just love that series. The art style, um, is just really appealing to me for some reason. It's it's got really nice colors. Um, And just the character designs are really cool. So I would love to do anything Advance Wars. I couldn't manage to squeeze it in the original episode. What do you have?
2: Okay, so there's a place called Disney Quest in uh, Disney Springs now. They used to be called Downtown Disney. Right. And they have these really cool bumper cars, like, themed to Buzz Lightyear, where you shoot foam balls at the other bumper cars. So I was thinking, like, why don't, like, we could do the same thing, but instead of, like, just spaceships, do tanks and have two teams like fighting it out, like in a little mini war.
0: Wow, that sounds really, really fun. Oh, man. Um, there's actually this, like, really strange uh, amusement park near where I live, uh, where my parents live, rather, um, which is this really small town. Like, there's no reason for a theme park to be there, but it's kind of a theme park. It started out as, like, mini golf, I think, and then they added go-karts. And, like, I'm sure that happens in small towns across the country. But they also have this tank uh, experience. You get in these tanks with uh, – it's two people per tank. One person is is in the lower part, and they're just driving it, and then the other person sits up, like, in a turret, basically, and they get to turn around and fire tennis balls at the other tanks, and it's so much fun to, like, feel the tennis balls, like, thumping into the side of your tank as you're, like, trying to maneuver around to shoot at the other person, and you're you're sharing a tank with your teammate as well, so, like, you can talk back and forth really easily. Um, It's just a really cool, like, bonding experience. Having a two two-person vehicle where one person is shooting, the other person's driving, and you're kind of trying to work together to get the other people within your sights. Um, and the the Advanced Wars vehicle designs are yeah. just amazing. I don't know for some reason, I really like you know uh, machine designs, especially vehicles. But just the the art style in that game goes so smoothly. Um, one of the things I wanted to add really bad was a uh, a part where we make console-shaped buildings. So, like, you know, the, Nintendo's got the regular Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, GameCube, uh, Wii, and Wii U. And those first four, especially, those first four consoles and, I guess, Game Boy, that Game Boy family as well. All those consoles have such a nice visual design where it's, like, really simple button layouts and just nice proportions and everything, I think it'd be so cool. So, like, maybe the building is shaped like a Nintendo 64, and where there are those four circular ports to plug the controllers in on the front, those are, like, doorways to get into, like, a a strip mall. Like, each one of those is a separate
2: storefront or something. That's so great. What would you do with the the new Switch, which is just, like, a (laughs) large tablet?
0: (laughs) Yeah, as I was listing those consoles, I was like, I should have stopped after GameCube.
2: You could probably put like a history of Nintendo inside of it.
0: Yes, that would be so amazing. I was thinking, um, I was literally thinking about that, having like a museum where you walk through and maybe they try to recreate the components um, of what it would actually look like. Like if you take apart a regular Nintendo, you know, where are the circuits? What does the interior of that look like? And then just blow that up so that it's big enough where humans can like walk through it and then you can have a little like a museum basically going through the history of Nintendo. Or even controllers, like if it looks like, you know, a Super Nintendo controller tipped up, and then there's just a big cutout of the Plus for the D-pad, and like all the buttons are cutouts, and you can just like climb through that, and maybe it's a playground or something, like with some tubes going through it or whatever. That's pretty sweet. Could be cool, because they have some really iconic, you know, visually speaking designs, like their button layouts on their controllers, and the shapes of their consoles themselves.
1: Especially that is I, actually
0: a crazy idea
1: board. for a playground. If you were inside, like an old school gaming console, yeah, and there were like you know circuit boards and stuff. I mean, everything obviously is is uh, uh comfortable. Like you can right. fall on it and <laughs> put a foam or whatever. But uh, that would be like a crazy indoor playground.
0: Yeah, that's a really neat idea because they have, if you've ever taken apart electronics, there's almost always like a long like ribbon connecting to the screen, and that could be yes. a slide. That is a sweet idea. Um, yeah.
1: Wow. You can climb up on some kind of like tube ish kind of thing. I know yeah. there are no tubes and yeah. those, but there were like there were like uh uh
0: pots. Right. right? Yeah, there's like there's yeah. items shaped that you could definitely turn that into like the you know, little chip system could be turned into or interpreted as a playground. That sounds awesome. Because I knew I was gonna be doing the Pokemon episode as episode two, during mm-hmm. our Nintendo one I like didn't really talk about Pokemon very much, but um I think this would fit in better in Nintendo Land than in the Pokemon World Park. Would be to have a um, Pokemon Snap Dark Room ride where you're just on rails and you just kind of turn around and try to take pictures of these animatronic Pokemon that are going on around you. Because yeah, that, like the Buzz Lightyear
1: shooting game, or yeah, those exactly programs, yeah. like one
0: of those where you get to to pivot, but you don't actually get to change your physical location through the ride. Like you're on, you're basically on It's a Small World, and you just turn around trying to take really really high quality pictures of stuff. Um, as you're moving, which that's almost exactly what Pokemon Snap was, was right. you're on a track, you can't move except for the way it's making you move, and you just try to take the best pictures you can. So, that could be pretty cool. Cause Some
1: mother a... wrote in and was like, I think making animals fight each other is a little bit cruel, and they were like, <laughs> how do we keep going? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is a really fun game, too, but yeah, you're right, it's totally, like, a very peaceful, it's almost like a National Geographic game or something, like, I feel like that game when they first, you know, it wasn't originally a Pokemon game. It was just a photography game where you're just like, oh. yeah, I don't know if you're going through like the Savannah or what, but you're going through some scene taking pictures of stuff all around hmm. you. And they're like, you know what? That could be Pokemon. Why not? Let's let's put Pokemon skin on that. And
1: Why stop at Pokemon? Just turn it into a franchise. Yeah. Uh, uh, make a Star Fox one where you're just flying through space taking pictures of like planets and stuff. <laughs>
0: And then if you do have that, if you have like this maybe it's just one ride, the photography ride, and you get to pick, you know, what cartridge you want to put in. Um you could use like the best photo that's been taken that day as like, you know, put it on the screens throughout the park or whatever. That'd be pretty cool. Like Yeah, you
1: have like a pass holders uh thing you could have like a voting a daily ooh, rank.
0: Ooh, yeah. A leaderboard. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds mm-hmm. really cool. And you could even change the experiences like maybe um you know, each one basically is a computer simulation where you're playing the Pokemon ride and on this one this one level the exact same pokemon always spawn in the same place but they all are kind of mm. like have artificial intelligence so maybe one day you go in and Pikachu runs right up to you and then the other day he like runs over to the beach or like they just kind of behave slightly different every time and so then someone yeah. like takes this picture that would normally be impossible cuz it's like well one time you know that pokemon accidentally like got in the tracks and like stopped the ride vehicle and then we got to take all these really crazy pictures but that doesn't usually happen so like Leave a little, you know, organicness to it. Like, it's not always the exact same canned experience. Sometimes I do like it that. unfolds yeah. differently. That'd be fun. And and for the simulation, like, the actual ride itself, um, not too much would have to change, especially if you're doing this in VR. It'd be really straightforward. <laughs> sit in this ride vehicle that's stationary, and it you just kind of turn around, and then through your VR goggles, it looks like everything's moving past you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then the ne- the person next to you is playing, you know, uh uh Hyrule Snap. Yeah. And the guy yeah. on the other side of you is playing
0: Star Fox snap. And that could be really disorienting though, this one guy's like um just like going through like a peaceful, like lazy river kind of thing on Pokemon Snap <laughs> and the other guy there's like, you know, monsters chasing after him or whatever, like someone's shooting flaming arrows at him in the the Zelda one. They're like, Oh my god and you're like what? This is like a really chill like look at that Lapras, he's just chilling, this is great.
1: I like the idea of being, like, a, a, a star journalist in the Star Fox world. Like, you're yeah. taking, like, battle photos. Right,
0: like... because there's there's got to be journalism, even in this, you know, sci-fi future of anthropomorphic animals. Yeah, yeah. they they got to get their news somewhere, you know. Welcome to Pokemon World. Put your screen down and live it. Catch, collect, battle, and discover. Explore the world of Pokemon. This park represents a brand new continent in the Pokemon mythos. Build and level up your own team within the park. Unique trading opportunities come from interacting with park team members and other guests. Take down gyms to prove yourself as a trainer. Each gym involves solving a themed puzzle, battling other trainers, and then taking on the gym leader to earn their badge. There is also a Pokemon-themed traditional amusement park section that is set in the culture and world of Pokemon. This features midway attractions, roller coasters, and a playground. What kind of stuff do you have for Pokemon World?
2: Okay, so Pokemon was actually really hard because you guys went over a lot. Like yeah. you guys did a lot for it. But the one thing I wanted really bad was a was a Pokemon Snap ride? Yes. Oh man. So, so I was thinking it would be, like, the Safari Zone. But instead mm-hmm. of catching Pokemon in Safari Zone, it's, like, a, protect, a protected area. Mm-hmm. But you could take pictures of them. So it would be, a like, an automated moving vehicle, mm-hmm. maybe with mul- multiple um, ride paths you could go to. Wow. Maybe you want to go to, like, the mountain area or, mm-hmm. like, the water area. And you could just take pictures of Pokemon. And at the end of the ride, you could get them printed out.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome. Are, are you picturing this being, like, an actual thing you move through, like, a uh, small world or something? Or are you thinking of, like, a VR... 4D kind of experience.
2: I love VR, but I can't do it. So I was thinking, like, an actual, real live, like animatronic Pokemon and you're just going through.
0: I I absolutely love those kinds of rides, whether it's it's actual animatronics that you're seeing. I think that that captures such a more like um, primal or more natural part of our brain. Whereas like VR, I do enjoy VR a lot, and I do think that that's like a big thing from the future, like in the future coming up. But as of right now, it just seems it seems a lot more artificial then even an anima- animatronic that you can tell is not real you know there's something about not having anything obstructing your vision it's like i'm seeing this thing actually come alive in front of me and especially with the newer ones that like disney is manufacturing those audio anima- animatronics are so incredible like they've got this um, face projection technology so like anna and elsa or whatever have just a blank face if they're turned off but when you turn them on they there's a face projected exactly where their face would be so you can see their their eyes light up and their mouths move and everything just perfectly like they do in the movies. So that level of animatronics would be just thrilling to be like, you know, riding around a ride vehicle trying to take pictures of the best, you know, best shots you can line up. Because that's pretty much exactly what Pokemon Snap is, you know?
2: Yeah, I I don't necessarily like Frozen, but that Frozen ride video I saw was insane. It, it looks so lifelike. Yeah, it's so. crazy.
0: That technology is just amazing. And I love it being set in the Safari Zone, which um, if anyone's, you know, not sure what that is, it's it's a park within the Pokemon video games where it's it's basically a wildlife preserve. Um, you can't bring your own Pokemon into there. It's You're just kind of going in there trying to capture Pokemon just one-on-one. So it's, uh, it's a lot less combat and a lot more like going on a safari. So you're just trying to, you know, find these these rare Pokemon in the wild and try to capture them, trying to get them to, like, join your team. So being able to visit basically a wildlife preserve would be a really cool part of the Pokemon world. Um, And it might be even more like of an intimate thing because so much of Pokemon is about putting your own monsters in between you and this wildlife, you know, to fight it. Whereas this is more, you're trying to bond with this, this wild creature. You know what I mean? It's like, you're trying to tame them one-on-one. I think that would be a a really cool, really, uh, I don't know, emotional experience almost for some people who, who've always liked Pokemon, but it's, it's almost always about the combat,
2: I mean, cool. you could throw in that Pokemon Snap ride in the Nintendo Land. I'd be okay with that.
0: Yeah, um, in fact, that was uh, that was something I thought about uh, at one point. I think I was, it was originally in the Pokemon episode, but I didn't think it fit because it was like, you know, for so many of these, it's like you are the trainer, and then like it's kind of weird to go into like a Pokemon Snap thing. But actually, I think it fits really well in the Pokemon park now. I'm like, why did I edit that out? Like, it sounds really good now that you say it as, like, <laughs> th- framing it through the Safari Zone, I think, was really triggered it for me. Where I was like, that this actually works really well here. Um, cause I, I really loved Pokemon Snap, and I think it's for that same reason of, like, why people want to, like, pet Pokemon. Like, you just get up close and personal with them, and it's uh, just such a, a more intimate, like, um, casual thing. They're just hanging out, living their daily life, and you get to see what that's like instead of just seeing them as something to throw a Pokeball at. It's like, look at how they live their lives and how they interact with each other when humans aren't around. Such a cool thing.
2: (laughs) The only other thing I had Uh um, was a, I don't know if this would be like a live action or like a 4D type of thing, but Mm -hmm. a show reliving like the final fight scene in the first Pokemon movie. So you'd have like Mewtwo and the legendary birds and like Ash and Pikachu fighting them. I thought that'd be really cool.
0: Yeah, just a, a really like epic battle with lots of like legendary Pokemon and is that the one with all the clones? Is that the same movie I'm thinking of?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the one with the clones. Yeah.
0: That could be really cool. Um, one thing that, excuse me, one thing I was thinking about for this Pokemon World Park expansion is to add a Pokemon Stadium. So basically just an arena where you watch battles unfold. But it'd be really cool if it was, if it was that kind of thing. And maybe, oh wow, I, this just came to me just now. Okay, so this might be a little hard to describe. But imagine it's an arena, so like the full you know, oval shape with seating all around, but half of it split down the middle is actually artificial. So there's only, you can actually only be on half of it, although the, the, the line down the middle is a screen. So it looks like the arena continues on that far half across the stadium from you, but it's actually a screen. So you can watch these battles unfold, and it feels like you're sitting in the arena, but it's actually just a huge screen covering up uh, you know, the, the far half of the stadium so you could reenact famous battles like that and have it be a 40 experience but you feel like you're sitting in a stadium like actually there in person watching it instead of just in a theater where it's like why would you be fighting a you know watching a fight from a theater that's kind of weird you'd be in an arena type seating structure yeah. that could be really fun um and you that's, actually, reen-
2: that's actually really cool
0: we kind of talked about something similar to this in the gotham episode where you get some kind of incentive for investing your time in the park or investing um your brain power to solve riddles within the park. And so basically we want to reward this very small crew of, of park goers who have like earned a reward. And maybe those people get to battle against a gym leader in one of these like live events. So people go pack the stadium and watch as another one of the park goers actually gets to battle, you know, this famous elite trainer uh, on this like 4D experience.
2: What's cool about that is that's something that, theoretically, it could be, like, a constant show all day. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just always have people fighting there, and you could just go in, like, oh, we have, like, 30 minutes away, so let's go watch some fights at the arena. Oh,
0: that's so hey. cool. Um, and another thing that'd be really neat is, you know, they've got these, like, pretty decent uh, 3D models of all the Pokemon, like, that they're using for the Pokemon video games and for Pokemon Go. They could use those same models um, and same animations and just kind of adapt them for... um like let's say there's a, a world championship of the Pokemon uh, video game going on, they mm-hmm. can take the you know, the top, I don't know, sixteen players, digitize all of the Pokemon that they have on their individual teams, and then have their own reenactments of that world championship battle that's going on. That could be really cool because you could you could, you know, basically upload your your characters from the game and watch them, you know, battle in front of you in this in this 40 experience. Wow. that sounds awesome that really evolved and improved upon the uh the pokemon stadium idea that i had earlier that's that's way cooler and way more doable than just trying to use you know animatronics and like trying to have real people interact with animatronics like that's kind of awkward but if it's all just really good cg on a huge screen that that it might be doable that might be something we can actually like put into work here so for pokemon world you as you enter the park you are a trainer it's it's not like nintendo land where you're visiting a theme park although technically mm. you are visiting a theme park it's one of those you know modern slash post-modern theme parks of this is an experience not just a park um
1: sure this is a this is a running gestalt of most of your parks <laughs> right uh you know i mean pokemon world forgotten realms scooby doo
0: right those three particularly right when yeah. they're so immersive yeah the latter episodes are all like that because it's just uh, ew, it's so good and someone pointed out like several of your episodes when you post it, it's like this is the most immersive park yet. And I'm like, Yeah, because it's true every single time. <laughs> but then it's like, Yeah, but I'm saying the same thing every week now, like every every time I post an episode, it's got the exact same descriptor. This
1: is the most difficult one for me
0: conceptually.
1: Mm-hmm. Because there's such a, a thin line between laser tag and amusement park. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. Like like having to have the person be active one hundred percent is going to be a deal breaker for some people, mm-hmm. and then at being passive one hundred percent is going to be a deal breaker for other people right you know that that's the so trying to find that middle ground of augmented reality and and having to catch and battling and solving puzzles yeah it's it's it, it's an interesting paradigm to try to get through if you if you really want to really invest yourself yeah you're gonna find a a, a nidoran but if you just want to like hang out and like catch pidgeys and see some cool stuff and ride the rides that's also a possibility
0: you know you can't be everything for everyone or whatever that expression is all things to all people um, <laughs> you can't be
1: everything for everyone
0: yeah i mean it's essentially the same thing it just doesn't sound nearly as good <laughs> but I think <laughs> no, try, I like it. Like keeping the, you know, the the sibling who is obsessed with Pokemon and the sibling who doesn't care about Pokemon at all, keeping them both mm. happy is important. So I think that including some regular theme park stuff like just roller coasters, um, you know, like carnival games, that kind of thing, making sure those are there as well. Um where so like the role playing aspect where you pretend to be in that role isn't mm. mandatory. Like you can still have a fun time. You can still complete all these experiences if you don't care about that that like immersive um you are the player kind of kind of thing because i think at this park there will be roller coasters there will be carnival games they'll just be pokemon right. themed
1: and, and there's impetus for that in the pokemon world mm-hmm.
0: exactly so you know, it's basically I mean, like it's
1: not going to be out of place
0: right right it's like it's as if you are teleported to the world of pokemon and you just happen to land at an amusement park in that world so mm. you know, there's a roller coaster, and it's it's called you know Rayquaza's Sky Race or whatever, but it's still just a roller coaster. Like it's themed Pokemon, but if you don't like Pokemon, just forget about it and get on the ride. Like Onyx's Boulder Blast. Uh huh. <laughs> and they're not. We're not trying to pretend that that roller coaster is that Pokemon. It's just this is a Pokemon themed right. roller coaster, and there are real Pokemon in this park running around. But this is just a you know just a ride. And I do think that this could be one of those things where you take an existing theme park and just reskin it. You know, if there's some park that's like, you know, no one comes here anymore, like, we can't compete with Wizarding World of Harry Potter, then it's like, okay, well, let's come in, change the name of every roller coaster to be some kind of Pokemon, and then we'll add this, we'll just make, basically have people playing Pokemon Go inside the park. I mean, that's like, that's the, you know, under $10,000 way to do this. Like, you just rename the rides give every, like yeah, maybe sure infrastructure
1: go. you actually need to change once you have augmented reality a part of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean you don't have to build that much right you True. to hire some killer coders You're right yeah better. exactly
0: but that would be a super fun job you know instead of yeah. making like i think it'd be so much more enjoyable to be a someone who works at like westworld <laughs> versus someone who works at just a video game company you know um because it's something that someone's gonna truly interact with like you know it's such a more deep connection to actual people um Mm. i mean in a way Mm. maybe not for everyone because some people get really into their video games and really connected with them but at no point do you feel like that's actually a person you're talking to in the game because to talk you have to click one of three options and hit x like it's not very real (laughs) at all you know what i mean you can get heart to heart but through someone else's words
1: that's always one of the fascinating things and it's 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 also one of the things that you kind of have to thread in this world in the theme park world as well like there's an element of like (laughs) you know walk through the the detector of trustworthiness okay it's a metal detector (laughs) but
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that i mean i do think that theming stuff is uh, maybe it's a little bit d- dorky, depending on your perspective, but then if you're going in there expecting this to be just a magical experience, then it really is, because it's like, oh man, remember, you know, we, we walked through that, like, crazy <laughs> portal of trustworthiness at the beginning, and... Yeah, you gotta come willing to play, though. Right, right, exactly. And someone else is like, oh, there's probably a metal detector under here. So I do think right. that it's it's something to be appreciated, and theming even something like a metal detector... It's entertaining for the person who's like, ooh, cool portal, and also the person who's like, you know what, I bet that this is the you know, how the this actually functions or why this is actually here. Like the more analytical mind can still enjoy that. Because it's not obviously this is a metal detector. It's like, what is this mysterious portal? Why are they making us walk through this? Oh Well, it's almost what
1: I say about magic.
0: Uh Like I, I
1: I can't remember who did it right now, but there's some comedian who has a bit about like uh, you know, hanging out at a magic show and some dude's like magnets or whatever and he's like congratulations you did it the 24 year old up there is not a wizard great (laughs) who cares like i want to see magic what david copperfield does isn't like he's not making someone levitate he's fooling you into thinking someone's levitating and that to me
0: is way more fun absolutely yeah I, i totally love that i love magic because um just for that reason that it's possible for humans to actually do this thing Like, real magic is impossible. But (laughs) with science and with, you know, enough, like, theatrics, you can make a whole audience worth of people believe this total lie. I I love that. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. It's a powerful art. One more um, ride idea came from a Reddit user named Beneficium, and the idea was for Dragonite's Flight. It's basically, like, a high-speed coaster that goes through, like, a tour of the whole park, basically. So this whole Pokemon continent if you're riding on the back of a dragonite you can just do that so quickly. And uh JR530 on Reddit said we should do like a rainforest cafe type of dining experience which I thought sounded super cool. We could have really good animatronic animals and then also just have it themed to be pokemon as well. So there's, you know, real pokemon in the in the cafe as well as Fake themed ones, so it's kind of blending those different kinds of realities of uh, of the Pokemon experience within Pokemon World. Zane Relford commented on our Facebook page and had a really cool idea. Basically, it's every every ride has a specific type. Like if the ride is themed after a psychic Pokemon, you could get a psychic stamp for going on it. Or if it's you know fire type, you get a fire stamp, that kind of thing. And if you can get three of the same type of stamp. So let's say you get three uh, fire type stamps, then if you want to go on a grass type ride, you can basically use a fast pass or you can get like some kind of incentive because you are using this fire type so frequently, you're going to be really powerful against grass type opponents. So basically the concept is you pick a, a type that you want to kind of associate yourself with. You're specializing a little bit. So it kind of allows you to express yourself by displaying your preferences as far as what types you're into and then that would basically, you could earn experience points, and then also, like we said, get a benefit when you want to go on a ride of a type that you're powerful against. We could also have, you know, Pokemon badges that people are trying to collect as they go through. Um, mm. We didn't officially talk about it on the Pokemon World episode, but I think it, it makes sense. Um, and it would be a lot of fun to be able to maybe unlock things. The more visits you go to, you get access to different areas. Kind of like in the Pokemon games, you can't use Cut until after you've got the first gym or whatever it's first gym badge so then you can go back cut this one grass and get through or cut yeah. this tree down so it's kind of like the legend of zelda where you have to like oh, retrace your steps a little bit with this new skill that you have in order to get through to this new area
1: so yeah there were, you would also get like pokemon that would give you skills right yeah yeah i, I feel mean, like you got that like pokemon that allowed you to swim
0: yeah you have you have to have a pokemon that is able to learn this certain ability you get you get the ability. You teach it to a Pokemon, and then later you'll get the ability to use it outside of battle, like to surf, for example. There's Surf, Cut, Fly, uh, Strength, which lets you move boulders. So you're also cool. just
1: saying the, the the members of the name of the band that are gonna play at noon every day.
0: <laughs> They're called the Hidden Machines because those attacks are all called <laughs> those attacks are all called HMs, which stands for Hidden Machines. That sounds really cool, actually. Let's say. Um, in between these two rides there's just a big boulder and you've gone to the park several times and it's just a big boulder you're like oh that's just part of the decor and then eventually you get the badge that allows you to use strength outside of battle and you can just walk up and it's like you can move that boulder now or like you know it detects that you're in the area and just the boulder starts to move out of your way and you can walk through and get to this new new area or whatever
1: what would happen if those abilities like cut flesh yeah dance whatever (laughs) that allowed you to move around the park in a different way. Wow. And then there were challenges day to day in the park where it's like, Hey, try to do this before 11 AM and you get, a, uh, you know, a Mew bracelet or whatever. That sounds
0: awesome. I love that.
1: You know, once again, something that's not necessary, but mm-hmm. if you go there frequently and you, and you feel compelled for this competition, you can totally do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I've been, uh, at the bottom of my little like synopsis document, they're like, some design goals that I, I, I found after listening to these first five episodes that we're always trying mm. to go for. And one of them is like easy to learn, hard to master. And I think this is part yeah. of that. Like if you're a top level player, there are some, some next level challenges for you that are kind of weird. Like there's some secret missions you can go on and completing those unlocks, you know, higher level rewards. And it also adds to the mystique.
1: It's like playing guitar. Yeah. Everyone can play guitar, but Absolutely. to do it well, it takes a little bit more time.
0: Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you can use those same fundamentals on just a higher, you know, higher level of play with mm. guitar. You know, you're still strumming, but it's like right, just masterful strumming. You master the technique, you get much better outcome.
1: You become,
0: dare I say, a Pokemon master. Oh yes, fantastic! <laughs> and then um, I had one other thing was, which was to incorporate a Pokedex. So it's something that you can get as as more of like a premium experience if you want to you know, buy the, the next level ticket or whatever. Um, you get a Pokedex. And so basically it's your guide to the park and to every Pokemon you come across. So maybe there's a Pokemon you've never seen before. You can hold up your Pokedex and just like in the early episodes of the anime, it will describe that Pokemon to you and maybe give you a tip on which one of your Pokemon would do well in battle against that Pokemon. Like give you some insight into the world around you in case you don't know. So you see the big boulder and it's like, Some boulders can be, you know, moved with the power called strength or whatever. And if you're just walking by, you wouldn't know that. You'd be like, oh, it's a big boulder, so what? That'd be kind of interesting as a way of, of like, guiding the park guests. Welcome to Forgotten Realms. Journey through a fantasy world with mystery, danger, and excitement hidden around every corner. Park guests choose a class and a role they will take in their party. This park has hidden employees observing and controlling each unique action zone. The experience of this park takes the immersive aspects of D&D, but takes care of stats, inventory, etc. for the player through the use of their token. Each class uses a unique type of token that will track their progress and allow them entry into special areas of the park. Tokens can be integrated into weapons, armor, or jewelry. A battle arena serves as a hub in this diverse park. The arena may be used to battle, socialize, eat, and to discover new quests that are posted dozens of times per day. Even the map system is mysterious here. You can find several different partial versions of the map, but none of them are perfect. And you never know what new attractions may have been added since your last visit. These are hidden and must be discovered. Stores, restaurants, and bars have the infrastructure of a modern theme park, but the quirk, charm, and hazards of small fantasy businesses. Um, just a note to any listener who hasn't heard the original Forgotten Realms episode. Um, D&D stands for Dungeons and Dragons. It is a role-playing game, or RPG. And um, basically that means a group of people will play together. Most of them will inhabit the role of a player. And they're basically characters in a story that is written by someone called the Dungeon Master, or DM as we usually call them. So it's a, a basically a social game that involves a story with specific stats and inventory items and that kind of thing to kind of track the player's progress along this story arc. One thing that I wanted to add on like right away was to put specific time and uh, party member requirements on those uh, quest posts that we're going to put out. So basically the way that the park works is a guest will see a post go up for a specific quest and they'll go look at it and they'll say, you know, specifically um, we're trying to track down whoever's robbing these, these people of this item or whatever. And so then they'll say, oh, that looks like a job we can do. And then just, you know, as a uh a nicety to our our part guests they it'll also say how many people you have to have in your party to complete the quest and how long it might take approximately and then they can go and take down that that um post and go do their quest in their unique action zone um, another thing was i would like to change the name of the action zones because i think it sounds kind of dorky and action zone is basically just a room that is equipped to add some kind of exciting action to the story that's going on within that room And they're private for just one group to be in at a time. Have you played? I've played it. Yeah. Um, I've always liked role playing games ever since like elementary school. It's when I first got into them. Um, Both Mm -hmm. as like, you know, like a dungeon master, like as the creative side of things, where you get to create Mm -hmm. the scenario and create the maps and the enemies, and I just like being creative. Um, and then I also like playing it because you're basically kind of climbing into one of your friends' head. Like they made this whole world. And you're exploring it. And it's kind of a a cool, almost like intimate act. It's like if your friend made a movie, you would definitely watch that movie. So if your friend is dungeon mastering, DMing a game, you should play it. Because like they put a lot of work into that thing. And it's someone you care about. It's pretty cool.
1: That was one of the things, listening to the podcast, if I remember correctly, that I was thinking about. it It was that that side of it the the uh the inhabiting the role side of it seemed to be very prevalent, but it seemed like the the dungeon master side, like mm-hmm. the the manipulator side, seemed to be a little bit less.
0: Absolutely, you're totally right. That's some that's part of the experience of playing the actual game. But for the theme right? park, we focused a lot more on the the user side. I wonder how you would do that
1: though, because I mean, obviously, there needs to be infrastructure in
0: place. Right. So we're going to have these like unique like action zones like the specific quests that you go on and the way -hmm. that you select those is you're in this this hub the battle arena and there's like a a board that you see in like a lot of rpgs in like the thieves guild or whatever like there's a bulletin board and a quest will just someone will just go slap a quest up on there and you can just go take that quest and go complete it um Mm -hmm. so basically that kind of thing like it'll say you know someone needs to go find this missing human or whatever and so you'll take that quest you'll go to wherever the quest tells you to head and then that will get you into this interactive uh experience. That's gonna, you know, be like an hour or two hour experience, this one quest. And maybe at yeah. that point, your DM who's in your party splits off and is like, Okay, I'll uh I'll see you guys on the other side. And he gets to talk to the park employees and they're like, Okay, these are the ten scenarios we have in this one action zone. You know, we've got these different traps we can trigger, um these yeah. are the different costumes you had that these-
1: are you have these building blocks. Exactly, have
0: fun. exactly. These are the costumes we have in this storage area. So these are your characters you can play with, um, as far as the bad guys go. And we've got this one big chase scene at the end you can use if you want.
1: And you could theme that in mm-hmm. a very fun way. Okay, check this out. Okay, <laughs> so uh, Dungeon Master splits off. Right, mm-hmm. uh, they your your party goes on the quest. Your dungeon master goes into a, a, a scroll room, Ooh, right? huh. So he goes into like this like dank chamber and there's like scrolls that he can, I mean, like it's all, it's all user friendly enough that sure. he doesn't have to like go through 170 million scrolls, right. but like, okay. So like, you know, like you said, these are the costumes that you have. It's like, uh, it could be one of these five, uh, uh, Goblin varieties that mm-hmm. that could pop up. Oh, I think it's going to be this one. And then he's in touch with them. Get this, Crystal Ball.
0: Oh wow, that's awesome! And so, um, so he gets to see them yeah. and talk to them, right? And so his voice is booming over the the loudspeakers, and the DM can mm. can use his his character voices that they the players are used to hearing from playing with him in his basement every week or whatever. Be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what I was just thinking is like when the The adventurers, you know, the rest of the group that's not the DM, when they're just chilling Mm. at the battle arena, he can go back and talk to, you know, the planning group, the people who empower the DMs to customize their things. And they're like, okay, what kind of stuff do you want to do? We've got 10 different battle or whatever they're called, action zones available. What kind of campaign are you guys on right now? What kind of stuff would be appropriate for you guys? And then can just kind of tailor the experience to what they want. And then the DM can be like, okay, I think I'm ready to go. Everything's set up here um send you know a a troll out to go find my party and give them this mission and so then this like troll will like run over and be like you know adventurers adventurers come please help me and they'll hand in the like the poster for it like the i don't forget i don't even know what you'd call that like the invitation to the quest and then they'll know okay Mm. this is the one that our dm prepared for us like let's go do this
2: you know what that is amazing
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I think it's a fun one yeah
2: (laughs) I don't think many people would actually enjoy that, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm a DM for my my group. Right. So that sounds amazing for me, like, going backstage and, like... Yeah. Maybe we need more goblins. Like- <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know what? That could be something that they arrange even far ahead of time. You know, maybe when you buy your tickets online, it says, um, do you have a DM in your party? And you, you know, check yes. And then the DM has to, you know, go ahead and coordinate with them ahead of time so they can ensure they've got, okay, we're going to have to have 15 goblins in this scene and they all have to talk so they all need to be you know human actors so we need to make sure we've got 15 trained goblins ready to go by the time this party gets here so it's more of a reservation um, more planning involved in that situation but I'm sure that's that's an extra cost that a lot of uh, a lot of D&D parties would really be into to make it integrate into their campaign or or not you know maybe just go for um, the ones that these park professionals are 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 DMing you know essentially DMing by programming what is going to happen during this quest and um you could even get like celebrities um from within the industry or you know youtubers or whatever to design their own campaigns in these action zones so it's like okay um on you know the week of march 10th we're going to be having uh dan Harmon has designed a quest that we're all we, you can come the public can come to and battle and you know just kind of enjoy those kinds of like um more seasonal more like organically changing kinds of things where there's like unique events and instances that are only there for a limited time it could be fun that's so fun
2: <laughs> i would buy tickets now if dan Harmon did anything
0: <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to add to forgotten realms
2: yeah i tried really hard but i really couldn't think of anything i mean but we... I, and then and then this idea like hit me oh okay <clears throat> So, okay, so Tiamat is the god of evil dragons. Bahamut is the god of good dragons. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking of a show and a ride about the battle of, like, good versus evil, Tiamat versus Bahamut. Wow. So, like, <clears throat> so you would go to, like, their separate temples for the show portion, right? Mm-hmm. And it'd be an epic stage show. Um, I can't think of any ride in the real life that would be like this. Uh Good. Like a minor stage show, they acted out, and then after that show happens, mm-hmm. you would go through to possibly like a giant dueling roller coaster. <laughs>
0: wow, that's so cool! So, is it like you go to the two different entrances to the same roller coaster, and like you either get on Tiamat or Bahamut's like side, like their roller coaster?
2: Yeah. Wow. Um, I think Universal Studios Singapore has a Battlestar Galactica coaster mm-hmm. that's dueling. And then you would have to, like, either enter the Cylon ship or, like, the the human resistance ship. Uh-huh. And then you would, like, get on two separate coasters from there, but they, like, they're dueling coaster. They would swing around each other. Right. Um, what's really cool about that ride, though, is that, like, the Cylon side is, like, a is like the type of coaster where your feet would hang down, and uh-huh. the human side was just, like, a normal coaster. Hmm. So it was two separate types of coasters battling it out in, like, wow. dogfights. Oh.
0: <laughs> That sounds so cool, and like I don't think
2: I'll ever go to Singapore, but I really want to ride that ride. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: just imagining all of the cool uh, moments you could have between the the riders in each each type of vehicle, like making eye contact. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's 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 interesting when you're doing like a traditional like dueling roller coaster, like where it's basically just twins, like they're the exact same roller coaster side by side, and you yeah. get to kind of look over at the other cart, which is doing the same thing as you, except maybe they're going in reverse or whatever. But it's like I'm making eye contact with those people is really fun. It's like, oh look, they're we're racing them basically. But <laughs> if you're on a totally different roller coaster going at you know a totally different trajectory and you see someone coming like out of the corner of your eye and they like fly across your path, that'd be so thrilling and so exciting. It'd be like a dogfight, really. Um that that would be so cool. Wow, I really want to ride that. That was an awesome addition. I'm glad that idea came to you. Dude, that's awesome. Um I'd like to give a shout out to Reddit user Murtos who had a really great point on Reddit. Um they pointed out that the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from 1983 um basically the the inciting incident of that show like how these kids got transported into a Dungeons and Dragons realm was from going on a Dungeons and Dragons roller coaster. I had never even like heard of this cartoon before but it's it's crazy. I looked it up. Um so basically, I thought it'd be cool to add a an optional, like one of the entrances to the park. You basically get on a regular modern-day roller coaster um, where the, the ride attendants are just regular, like they're wearing regular theme park clothes, basically. You get on the roller coaster, you go through, and halfway through the roller coaster, it kind of goes through a portal into the walls of the actual theme park itself. So you're going from outside to the in, indoor park. And once you're in there, everything is themed like to the nines the park attendance everything the roller coaster itself everything just changes instantly when you come in come in from the sunlight into the indoors it's like whoa now we're in this this forgotten realm and it's it's like kind of an homage to that show you know it's definitely inspired by that it's like you're going from being a regular civilian outdoors to coming into the park and now you're in the world of dungeons and dragons so i thought that was a really fun thing and and that's why i love using reddit for building this community it's awesome Welcome to Scooby-Doo's Mystery Town. Begin your journey at the Mystery Incorporated Training Center, where you'll learn from the gang how to solve mysteries of your own. From there, you will select your own vehicle and head out into the haunted town of Crystal Cove. Your group will be able to choose your own path. You will encounter advertisements, flyers, and restaurant menus throughout the park, inviting you to specific events. You're always welcome to just drive around the park and see what kinds of fun you can find on your own. Vehicles have built-in safety protocols And will also add to the immersion by breaking down when you get close to your desired mystery location. Your group can go wherever you like, but beware, there are mysteries just out of sight at all times. This park features five unique areas inspired by classic Scooby-Doo locations. These include the swamp and mansion, castle, seaside town and island, college and museum, and the circus and amusement park. It's up to you to find your own mysteries, assemble the clues, and trap the villain. This park features puzzles, hidden passages, escape rooms, stunt shows, and roller coasters. I'm not sure if you've seen um, Mysteries Incorporated, the like 2010 yeah. series, but like that really cool the overarching plot added so much to that series where you know they're going through every single episode solving a, a mystery, but there's also these certain clues that don't get resolved until the very end of the second season. So that kind of thing would be really cool if you know you and your your party uncover a clue which leads to another clue which leads to another clue and eventually you catch the bad guy but then when you're done so, you're like Where, where's this clue for like we got this one <laughs> clue that never resolved like what's that you have to come back to the park and find more of those clues to complete this bigger overall plot
2: I had an idea for an over like a literal, an overarching plot across all of the areas yeah that uh, accumulated to a large escape room lighthouse whoa so like, so what I was thinking is like, whatever the overarching plot was, I don't mm-hmm. know, I'm not a writer. Uh, right, we can hire writers would, for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you would find clues that would help you, like different clues and bits of a puzzle that would help you enter the lighthouse. Wow. But the lighthouse was actually one large escape room with like multiple levels. Yeah. Uh, and then like only one team can solve the final mystery. And at the top, when you finally solve the final mystery, you could turn on the lighthouse, and that t- signals that it, the, the plot was completed.
0: I love that so much. Dude, that's amazing. I was, like, scooching up on the edge of my seat. I'm like, well, what happens when they get to the top? That is so sweet. I love that. And it's got, like, such a huge symbol that you can see from even outside the park of, like, yeah. hey, somebody, somebody solved it today. You know, because that wouldn't happen every day. If you live next to this park, it would be really kind of exciting for you, like, once a week or, you know, once a month the lighthouse comes on, you're like, oh my gosh, someone solved it. That's awesome. Now that you've sparked my interest with that, I'm like, okay, we can start developing some storylines here. I want to start just like a flowchart of like, okay, what's the story that's going to connect all five of these different parks? And man, just in another life, I would love to be like a TV writer, especially for a series like um, Mysteries Incorporated. Because I just, I love... You know classic animation and then being able to bring that into a modern era with like a really good plot um especially if you're allowed to like make references to other materials that you love um just that series got so many things right, and I think it encapsulated a really cool way of looking at classic animation and bringing it into a modern more thoughtful um era you know where it's where it's just just way better <laughs> just way more amazing and uh and I don't know but just engrossing and like the story just kind of envelops you and your whole party. I think that sounds so cool. I think a lighthouse makes a really good escape room anyway because they're usually very simple buildings with you know just one door there's only one way out of there so yeah. if you if you encountered some kind of bad guy or some kind of you know force keeping you in there, that wouldn't be too hard to do if that one door gets locked you're kind of stuck you got you know go to the top and then maybe you have to figure your way back down as well
2: yeah I've been doing a lot of escape rooms lately and I've really enjoyed them.
0: I love them so much like. That that's something I've been kind of brainstorming recently is um, because escape rooms, for for anyone who hasn't been to one, first of all, go go do one. Even if it's a bad one, it still can capture your imagination. Just escape rooms, I think, are such a really cool way to to design an experience. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to take up a lot of room. It doesn't have to be in a nice part of town or anything. And it can just give you this huge uh, level of, of engagement that like even a regular theme park doesn't do you know like it's it's next level it's it's some pretty cool stuff i'm glad that that's a trend that's that's catching on
2: it also it also helps you realize like which friends you want around when the apocalypse happens because, uh, <laughs> i'm definitely not bringing jason
0: <laughs> sorry jason that's that's rough that's hard to hear but <laughs> yeah that is true you get to see your friends in a totally new light of like you know i've never seen you work this hard before <laughs> or like you're really smart like i mean i knew you were kind of smart but like <laughs> I've never seen you solve a puzzle like that. That was so quick. Like, there's just all these really cool things that that humans generally don't have to do. You know, unless you're you're Jack Bauer or something. Like, you don't have to solve all these like crazy mysteries and like uncover these plots in your daily life. It's it's pretty cushy most of the time. But this is a one-hour like experience that's pretty intense. Like, definitely gets the adrenaline pumping. We were talking about um, having like secret symbols, like for if people who are just total like hardcore roller coaster people. You might tell them this secret tip of look for this symbol if you're looking for a roller coaster. We ended up deciding that that was a little bit clunky and it might be better if we have like little um you know like wristband things that can show an icon like I'm trying to think of what what logo you would use. Maybe just the Scooby Doo like the diamond dog tag shape.
1: Mm, uh the the flower on the a mystery machine? The front tire on the mystery machine, yeah, the spare tire.
0: That's cool. <laughs> so for this this uh signage issue, I was thinking you know, when you have an exit coming up, it'll say gas station, uh, food, and it'll list your food options. And it might say a college coming up, like it'll say the name of the university, like somehow universities get their own street signs, um, big attractions Mm. get their own, you know, like exit warning signs. But I was thinking like, that'd be a really straightforward way of doing it. You know, you could have the Mm. restaurant logo for all the different restaurants. And then um, if it's a roller coaster, you could just have, you know, attractions coming up and put, some kind of you know name of the specific roller coaster so then roller coaster people can always just look for the attractions if you're looking for somewhere to eat look for the food and then our stores could be inside of the gas stations um Mm. if we wanted to have like specific themed memorabilia Mm. you go to the gas station because remember how we're using that trope of the the mystery machine breaking down all the time
1: breaking down yeah yeah
0: you could like okay well we got to pull into this gas station and get you know Maybe it's just because you're out of gas. Like, you don't want to be, like, actually having huge engine failure all the time. It's like, oh, you're out of gas. Find a gas station.
1: Um, and then that section of town has their version of yeah, memorabilia. Yeah,
0: it's either, like, they're selling it in the gas station, like, a lot of small towns. Like, so it'll have all the all the swamp t-shirts are available in this, this one gas station. Because hmm. um, it's just, you know, a podunk little, like, swamp area. They're not going to have, like, a Walmart or, like, a specific boutique store. It's just built into right. their gas station.
1: It opens the opportunity, especially in, like, the Swamp Mansion one, mm-hmm. for, like, some fun swamp-themed, like,
0: clothing yeah.
1: or, you know. Yeah. yeah,
0: that could be neat. And some, some cool theming, um, mm. just kind of Bayou culture-type stuff would be pretty sweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, Bayou slash whatever world we create, you know. Um, I just I, This just popped in my head. Uh, here's the name of the store in the Swamp. It's called All right, Buy You Some Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
1: great joke. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: yeah, buy you some stuff here. Buy uh. you some stuff. <laughs> so...
1: We did miss an opportunity in the seaside town slash island for an amazing uh, Sea-Doo stunt
0: show. Oh, cool. Yeah, that'd be neat. Yeah. They do those at theme parks too, like that's, a, that's a there's a precedent for that. We could hire people who already have that skill set.
1: Mm-hmm. that'd be cool could do some pretty cool stuff.
0: and you could do fireworks I... out on the the lake or whatever you know our, our body okay. of water is. hmm Something that I was thinking about adding uh, that was originally something we talked about for the Indiana Jones episode that got lost um, mm. was basically using the roller coasters as a chase scene. so basically if maybe you you're catching up to the bad guy in the the scooby-doo like you're about to solve the mystery and you just have to catch the guy and pull his mask off and then he jumps in a car and he drives off roller coaster yeah you you get into your mystery machine and then suddenly you're on a roller coaster like it's your your Mm -hmm. vehicle that you guys picked out but because it's already a ride vehicle it can just go on this like roller coaster type track you won't be able to drive it of course but you'll be able to go through this like thrilling chase where you know you get (laughs) to go like have some roller coaster type experiences of like you know drops and and stuff like that. Chasing you're chasing
1: the, back the guy. guy. The guy's chasing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like next to each other. <laughs> right.
0: It'd be really fun. Um, and then, you know, maybe by the end of it, you catch the guy and suddenly you're at the next exit over. Like you've you've come to a new new part of the map. That's how you part complete of the, the world. Yeah, because you've already yeah. got your vehicle with you. The next episode, ep- or episode five of this podcast, was about Batman. And yes. I was thinking we could do a crossover. You know, they're both Warner Brothers notes. properties. <laughs> and uh, I just listened to your... A dynamic do episode, uh, where you reviewed the Batman Scooby Doo crossover, and I was like, Uh,
1: with uh, with bat labels, yeah, Yeah." with
0: bat labels, yeah. Um, I was wondering, like, could we if we had these two parks on the same property next to each other, you know, at Warner Brothers World or whatever.
1: um, Oh, you have a middle, you have like a Venn diagram (laughs) park. (laughs) Yeah, there's a there's a little area
0: maybe you can get access to it once you buy admission (laughs) to either park. There's um. Just, you know, a few, like, little rides or, like, something that kind of blends the two together. Um, Or you could buy, you know, the Park Hopper Pass, where you can just go from one transition over into the other.
1: My favorite Batman, hands down, is still the 60s Batman. I think that's the greatest representation of Batman there's ever been. Yeah. Personally. I respect that. So... And uh, Scooby Doo crosses over with that as well. Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, getting the uh, police station with Gordon's mm-hmm. office with like the red phone and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, there could be some fun stuff you could do in there. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, there's a, a, a wall panel that moves in the actual series.
0: Yeah, to get where you to can the like vacuum. press
1: a button and see like the Rogues gallery and stuff. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Totally insane. But I mean, you could easily cross that over with Scooby Doo. Oh,
0: totally. I don't know. Maybe one of the buildings in the Scooby-Doo Scooby-Doo's Mystery Town could kind of back up, or actually turn it turn out to be the Wayne Manor, Bruce Wayne's home. So, like, you accidentally kind of stumble across the Bat Cave when you're in Scooby-Doo Land. You come up, you like pull a switch, and then you can see two bat poles, and you're like, "What?" (laughs) And you go down the bat poles.
1: Statue back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: the little William Shakespeare or whatever that that bust is. Um... That'd be really kind of, kind of funny. Like you like backdoor into it. You're like, what is this? Like, this is from Batman now? It'd be fun, it'd be a fun transition if you accidentally did it. Like you didn't even know it was there. And now you're like, oh, this is now Batman themed, I guess. Welcome to Gotham, Batman's World. Enter the park through Arkham Asylum to learn about Gotham's villains. But as you near the end of the tour, a mass breakout occurs, scattering escaped villains across the park. You can help the Batman family to get those criminals back into Arkham, or leave it to the professionals as you watch actors play the role of heroes and villains all day across the park. If you'd like to be part of the action, Riddler has hidden clues all over Gotham. Solve all the riddles to join Batman or Catwoman in planning a special daily event. Watch famous Batman comic stories performed live on stage every night. Every season, there will be new storylines throughout the park, keeping things fresh for our guests and our employees. The Sons of Batman have expanded the Batcave to be a fully functional, vigilante facility. In this Batcave, you will find a training center and a museum. Experience VR training simulations through Scarecrow's Fear Toxin, Batmobile Street Race, the Batwing Pursuit, and Batman Beyond Future Coaster. If you are seeking a classic amusement park, Joker has just the thing for you. He has taken over an old park and themed classic rides to your favorite Gotham characters. But not everything is as it seems. I thought it'd be really cool to use the bat signal as like a, the show will be starting in 15 minutes kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, projecting on the side of a building during the daytime, or even just having an artificial one that's actually just a big light that looks like you're shining the bat signal onto it. Or if it's at night, you can actually shine one into the sky. And then people can be like, oh, where's that light coming from? You know, something cool is going to happen over there. And they have to, like, try to wander to the end of that that searchlight.
1: In Batman Forever, there's that thing where the bat signal shows up and then uh, Riddler uh, is able to manipulate it so that it turns into a giant question question mark.
0: mark. Yeah, that was You could do
1: that. You, You could do a specific thing for each of the shows. Yeah, it's almost like... Where it morphs.
0: Yeah, depending on who's trying to summon you there. So I think one of my main things...
1: You guys touched on it in the episode. Yeah. And I was like, oh, go. And then like, (laughs) it didn't happen. It it, it was so close. Yeah. But I think I think one of the things that most interests me about Batman is the moral ambiguity, Mm -hmm. because outside of the 60s, well, no, even the 60s, Batman does this. It's it's the idea that, like, the villains. Aren't wouldn't be villains in a t- in, in a different light. Mm-hmm. Like uh uh what is it? Uh the killing joke. Yeah. Where isn't I haven't read it in years, mm-hmm. but I think one of the main points is that like I'm just a guy that had a bad day. Like mm-hmm. that's like one of the ongoing things about the Joker. Yeah. And I think okay. So they're they're, they're this is difficult, but uh-huh. Allowing the guests to be able to go to the dark side more often mm-hmm. without obviously being like, "Hey, you're a sociopath, come have fun,
0: you know what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, like to see the perspective but, of the villain as a you know like yeah I think yeah, I think in the of episode
1: things. you guys talked about uh having people help Catwoman mm-hmm. plan a caper, yeah, I think that was what it was exactly. Yeah.
0: Once you Some found other enough things, clues, you got to pick if you wanted to help Batman stop this from happening or help Catwoman plan it out.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I also thought about the amount of characters there are who want to be healed. Like, you know, you hmm. think of a, a man bat or Clayface yeah. or Mr. Freeze. Like you can break the law to help them. Yeah. steal something you know
0: right they, they've they got very I, I like those characters because they have um a reason for doing what they're doing you know they they mm. are just trying to get back to equilibrium basically you know yes um that man, i feel like
1: i don't know how you do that but yeah. i like that idea where you get to thwart batman mm-hmm. but also still be doing something good yeah from a certain perspective
0: right and i think that just good writing can do that you can make you can paint um, yes. Walter White from Breaking Bad as a hero. Even though he's doing very, right. you know, bad things. It's like, well, once you know his perspective and kinda of where he comes from, it's not quite as reprehensible as if it was just a headline in a newspaper. You'd be like, This monster, how could he? But then once you see his side, you're like, Oh man, you know, everything is kind of a like shade of grey and like you know, everyone makes bad mistakes and um yeah, that's that's really interesting. I do think that it'd be much more entertaining instead of everything is on Batman's side all the time to have, you know, very diverse opinions and see the other side a lot of the times. I think that's cool. Well, it
1: seems to have it seems to have happened in the past couple of years in the mainstream at least. Mm-hmm. where suddenly like for Star Wars the dark side has it's become cool. like a Well, right, exactly. Oh, like yeah. like there was a marketing campaign when Force Awakens came out that was like which side are you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was like when I was a kid Darth Vader was a bad
0: guy, and I think that that villainy makes them so cool and like so mysterious. And I think just the the whole mask and all that makes it. Mm. And, and even um, you know, in in Re- Return of the Jedi, when he takes his mask off, and you're like, he's human this whole time. Like, he's he's weak. Like, look at him in this moment where he's weak and he's just wants to see his son with his own eyes. Like, he's so human in that moment. He's he's not a monster anymore. You know, it's. There's something that made me start liking Darth Vader after I finished the original trilogy. I was like, "Yeah, almost all of his actions are are what a bad guy would do." Mm. But then, and I feel like in the park, mm -hmm.
1: you know, there, there's. I think you demonize Joker. Yeah, I I have no problem with that. Sure. Uh, you know, Catwoman can kind of be an in-between area, Mm -hmm. but then you can allow for people like you know. I said it before, but I'll say it again. Like Clayface and Man Bat, yeah, where it's like they are the victims of their circumstance, right? And now you can you can get to feel that, oh, I'm on the opposite side of the law, but mm-hmm. I'm helping these people who are victimized.
0: Yeah, right. I and, think that's and, fascinating. In their from their perspective, they're doing good things. You know, it's it's almost like yes. Robin Hood. Like his actions are almost all illegal. But from his perspective, he's doing it for a good good cause, and so he just keeps on doing it. Well, um, and think,
1: depending on the franchise, Batman.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Batman's a vigilante. Right, right. He is almost always he breaking the law. illegal, illegal in nine times out of ten. Yeah, that's so true. And and I do think that the vil- the supervillains and superheroes always keep each other in check and keep each other <laughs> working. You know, if, if there were no yes. more superheroes, all the supervillains wouldn't would have a much easier job, and vice versa and they might stop existing altogether once, once there's no more supervillains. Wasn't super at the end of uh,
1: dark Knight, mm-hmm. Right. When yeah. uh, Heath Ledger is dangling on the end of the thing and yeah. he's like,
0: you need me, we're going to do this dance
1: forever. <laughs> and
0: everybody watched that movie and they were like, Oh <laughs> yeah. And that's so true. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. They need each other. They're, they're yin and yang, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I like that. So a lot. that
1: could be, I don't know how you do it. I don't mm-hmm. know if you do. Cause I mean, that's interactive. Yeah. Right. Like that you have to make the
0: decision, once again, uh, agency of the park-goer. Absolutely. And I do think that that could come from the player making a decision. You know, like, you've got, you know that Clayface's lair is over here, and you can go there either as someone who's looking to defeat him or someone who's just kind of curious and, like, wants to see his side of things. And so you can kind Mm -hmm. of learn about his history. Um, You know, maybe you, you wander into, like, his room and there's like journals and stuff that you can read. There's some, like some, some details of like his perspective on things. And then you can be like, you know what? I'm going to try looking out for this guy. So I think in Batman, being able to like choose your allegiances would be really cool. And um, also being able to flip flop within a day. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's not like you're going to make permanent decisions that will stop you from going to the Batman events. It's like, yeah, you, you, you can get just... to
1: explore different things. You yeah, get to and, have fun
0: and bring your, take your own, Make your own decision based on the evidence of what you saw there. Yeah.
1: It's mm. cool. Also, some kind of Alfred thing.
0: <laughs> Alfred thing is the next thing I was going to say, actually. Maybe, like, uh, as customer support or something, like, if you're, if you're lost, you can pick up a, you know, red phone and, like, Alfred will answer. And you're like, um, you know, which way is the, uh, the first aid? You know, I need a band-aid. Like, where do I go for that? And he can direct you. Here's what I want. Let's hear it.
1: I want an Alfred task. Because huh. Alfred simultaneously has to analyze chemical compounds yeah. and pick up his dry cleaning.
0: That's so true. He's got like ten day jobs. He he cooks like all much... the
1: food. <laughs> that would be so much fun. Yeah, like you really show cool. and you're like, you know, uh, oh, I'm going to uh, ugh, can you please? Can you please analyze these chemical compounds? Oh, simultaneously, can you make a ham sandwich? <laughs> that sounds like, fun. Incorporating that into like a carnival game would be really fun. It
0: would. Yeah, a day in the life of, of Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> It'd be really funny. Um, where it's like you have to complete these two totally unrelated tasks at the same time. It'd be pretty good. Yes. There's uh, like Butler tryouts or something. A Butler job yeah. interview. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Done. But so, I also like him being a guide to the park. Right. would be really fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just just someone there to, to help you out and uh, mm. help you navigate this this wacky world. Because, you know, Batman and Robin are too busy. And Alfred's just kind of got to take care of the roost, take care of the nest there.
1: Yeah. And the morally ambiguous thing, I think also some kind of Nightwing.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that You know, cool.
1: like something where you're defying Batman, but you're still doing good.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. And there's there's you know, multiple ways to complete a goal. You can mm. uh you can help Robin do it his way depending on which Robin it is. Even the Robins have totally diverse perspectives on uh the best way to complete things. So you could go with any member of the bat family to help ac- accomplish this one goal for the, the good guys, quote unquote. Yeah.
1: You guys were talking about uh like a like a bat wing ride. Yeah. Right? Uh huh. VR... Like it was like kind of like yeah, VR, mm-hmm. AR, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What if you're actually a cop? Yeah. And you, you have to choose whether to help Batman, Robin, or Nightwing. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. You know, and you get that
0: option. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. There's so many different characters in that universe. I really, I love, that's one of the things I love about Batman books is not just a book about Batman. You know, there's there's so many characters yeah. coming in and out, like rotating cast and everything. Um on the good guy and bad guy side. And I do think that that franchise is all about how many shades of gray there are, especially the newer, you know, the last 10 years of, of movies and video games and the past 25 years of comics have been just pretty gritty and like pretty dark and showing the downside of the good guys and the upsides of the bad guys. And I think that that's a really exciting kind of spiraling uh, kind of kind of storyline i think it's a, a cool thing yeah. yeah yeah that's really cool and i think it'd be neat if the, the guests come in with a different interpretation of the bad guys and the good guys not saying that this is totally flipping the script and you're on the bad guy side completely but you can be if you want to no they can have a three-dimensional right view of all of it a well they're well-rounded characters they none of them are flat characters anymore yeah in, in the 60s maybe but <laughs> not so much <laughs> anymore <laughs> Everyone was just kind of like I'm a bad
1: guy, see? (laughs)
0: That was pretty much it. Okay. I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying I watched Lego Batman last night, and it is the best Batman movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, I've heard that from so many people that I super, super trust. So I I'm really hoping that like tomorrow or maybe Saturday I can see it cuz I I love Lego for one and I also super love Batman but I was kind of worried about it like I wasn't crazy about Batman in the Lego movie but in his own movie I've heard he's really good. I was I was really immediately sold when I first saw like an early poster for it that had um the Robin that they went with and I really thought it was uh Carrie Kelly like the the female Robin from The
2: Carrie Kelly yeah yeah Yeah.
0: But because it looks like like the hair looked a lot like that. And I was like, oh, that's one of my favorite Robins. I'm so excited about this. And then like I saw the first trailer and I was like, oh, nope, that's that is not Carrie Kelly. Dang it. Shoot. I mean, I love Robin anyway. He's for some reason, Robin, I like more than Batman as well. Um, even though there's like six of them, I like almost all of them more than Batman just because I'm tired of Batman. You know, I've already got like 25 Batman action figures. I've only got one Robin. Like, I don't know. It's just more more rare, more special.
2: It really depends on the robin though.
0: Yeah, that's true. Some of them are are kind of turdish. Um who's your favorite robin?
2: Uh probably Dick Grayson.
0: Okay. Respect. Who's your least favorite?
2: What's that one that died? Jason and Todd. <laughs> yeah, Jason Todd. I, yeah. I don't remember. No, I'm going to go with Damian. Damian Wayne is probably my least favorite.
0: Yeah, when you said you like not all of them are cool or whatever, I was like, yeah, that's probably either Damian or Jason Todd. <laughs> so, <laughs> I re- yeah, I agree. Um but Jamie
2: is just such a he's so mean. Like he's yeah. just not uh he's just not what I want out of a superhero.
0: Right, right.
2: But he is like a 9-year-old kid who comes from a family of like supervillains. So, okay, so I I definitely read Batman comics. I'm actually up to kind of up to date on them wow so i was thinking one big thing that would be really cool is right now in the comics penguin has a giant iceberg nightclub cool <laughs> so that would be a cool like restaurant yeah. slash bar maybe oh, absolutely uh, and it, of course it's literally shaped like a giant iceberg in like gotham harbor Wow! Um, so like that'd be a cool place to go to mm-hmm. um maybe like bota- uh, botanical gardens with like Mm -hmm. poison ivy and like different giant plants that she made
0: i was thinking the when you started talking about the iceberg like that visual just sounds really cool and there's not like a ton of buildings that are super iconic as far as like a skyline of gotham city at least to my recollection but having having even just a you know a smallish iceberg would be like what is that over there i gotta go check that out that sounds awesome and you could incorporate you know while you've got all the ice stuff going on you could have a, a mr freeze section which he's always one of my favorite characters for some reason but um yeah that, that'd that be awesome more diversity oh. like that would be would be really cool <laughs> so everything's not just a city you know what i mean there's there's some more more interesting uh types of buildings there
2: i had another thing um so i was thinking of like the not as popular um <clears throat> Uh, like, villains. Yeah. One of one of the villains I really like a lot was the Royal Flush Gang, which uh-huh. was, like, a family based off of uh, playing cards. Right, right. So the king, the queen, the jack, and the joker. But they always stole from banks. So huh. what if there was, like, a bank heist, like, interactive event that yeah. you could go to and you could try to stop them, or maybe you join up as, like, one of the numbered gang members? Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds really fun. And, I mean... Having a bank is just a good idea anyway, because any number of villains would, you know, want to, to rob from this bank. So over time, um, we were planning on like having the storylines change a little bit year to year to kind of coordinate with uh whatever whatever's going on in the comics or just kinda of whatever little changes in plot we want to make, or even huge changes really. Um, so we could use that set again and again, you know, with, with Joker's gang robbing it, or Clayface robbing it, you know, whoever. Robbing a bank is always a good thing for supervillains to do. So having that backdrop would be awesome. And then incorporating someone like the Royal Flush King would be really fun and, and kind of give you a glimpse into this this lesser known part of this, this Gotham universe. That sounds awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then I had another one. Firefly is one of my other favorite Batman villains, uh-huh. which is just a guy with a jetpack setting things on fire. Right. Um, but I was thinking of like a fire stunt show. Wow. Which sounds weird
0: it when, sounds when I was awesome. growing
2: up. Well, it, <laughs> it is. When I grew up, <laughs> I went to Universal Studios Hollywood a lot. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing to do, they have a they had a backdraft stunt show where it uh-huh. was like a warehouse and everything's like exploding because the warehouse is catching on fire. Wow. So I was thinking that would be cool. But maybe add elements of like maybe you're one of the firefighters like trying to like turn the fire off and you're trying to like take put out the fire. Yeah. Or you could just sit back and watch everything explode. <laughs>
0: yeah, that sounds amazing. And you could um, kind of simulate his his jetpack like movements by having him, you know, attached to uh, a pulley system or something, so he can just kind of like fly around like like Peter Pan or whatever. Um, and then you've got you know Batman or members of the his team trying to like throw uh, you know various things like catch him and pull him down, like using grappling hooks and stuff. It could be like a huge, you know, stunt spectacular where there's parts of just a lot of pyrotechnics and there's, you know, a few fight scenes and then um that yeah, that just sounds awesome. <laughs> I love I love bringing in those those lesser known characters because they're all so cool and like so crazy. Um and and so valid, I think. And and you can add humanity into any of these bizarre characters, you know. Yeah,
2: cool. no, no, no. It's great. Well, Batman has like the best villains so. i agree
0: i agree completely with that and i don't know how he keeps attracting them but i'm glad he's doing it it's it makes I, for a very interesting world
2: <laughs> <laughs> i like i like his villains more than i like him but you know
0: <laughs> yeah i i totally respect, respect that i there's certain parts of batman that i absolutely love and like cherish but the villains are almost always more captivating just because we've heard his story so many times you know i've i've empathized with him for you know so many years when you get a chance to empathize with joker you're like whoa what is this feeling <laughs> you know it's like a fresh new thing it's it's exciting sweet man thank you so much for your time it really means a lot that you're on the no, special
2: I love this podcast so anytime
0: <laughs> cool well thank you very much that's exciting is there anything you would like to promote you've got a captive audience here
2: oh yeah i know um peter versus peter uh my video game board game podcast we don't do a ton of episodes, but they're all really good from what I hear. Then, <laughs> that uh, is true. And then um my movies podcast, amateur movie critics podcast. Um that comes out every week. So that's great. And then uh if you have movie suggestions, just hit me up on Twitter or email.
0: Cool. Where would yeah. where might we find you on Twitter?
2: My handle is Zen Zuma, Z E N Z O O M A. Cool. Yeah. Anything you'd like to plug while you're here?
1: What's with you, Scooby-Doo? You can find What's with you, Scooby-Doo, on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, WWY,
0: Scooby-Doo on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening to another episode of Amusement Sparks. So Season 1 is over, but Season 2 is going to start just in three weeks. Um, The show will continue with the same release schedule. So our next episode will be coming out on March 13th. Thank you so much for listening. Like this podcast has been so much fun to create and I feel like I'm learning so much every week through these conversations with, you know, amateurs. I think you can really learn a lot from just discussing, you know, design really. You can learn a lot about design even if you're not a professional designer just through kind of collaborating and working through it. So, um having an excuse to do that and have these conversations, you know, a couple times a month has been uh has been really thrilling. And really, I think all of you guys out there who are listening and you know, talking to us on, on Reddit and everything. That's, it's awesome. That it makes it all so worthwhile. It's great. And, um, I just kind of realized that I haven't really introduced myself. Um, my name is Andrew Spawn. <laughs> um, this podcast was my idea. Um, I, yeah, I'm a math teacher, but I really like design and I really like video games and escape rooms and all kinds of stuff. Amusement parks, obviously. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, it's at spontaneous, but it's spelled S P O H N. T-A-N-E-O-U-S so it's like spontaneous but there's an H thrown in there because my last name is S-P-O-H-N and I'm getting boring already If you're still listening I have a special assignment for you I started doing this a few years ago, and it's really honestly changed my life. I got this idea from a a podcaster and author named James Altucher. But anyway, the uh, the idea is like this. Keep a notebook with you, and then write down 10 ideas a day, or more if you can think of it. But just brainstorm a topic, just some random thing you can think of, like uh, 10 ideas of what you can do with a shoe once it doesn't fit anymore just random stuff like that that just popped out of my head or whatever, but, um, it can be casting choices for like a fictional movie in your head or, um, you know, what would a theme park look like if it was based on this concept or I don't know what, what's a fun creative gift I can get for, uh, my sibling for the holidays. Just start using your brain for, for more than just, you know, work and like everyday stuff. I think that when you, once you start pushing your brain a little bit, it starts getting stronger and stronger. And, uh, it can lead you down some really fun and really creative paths. And so I don't know, I would just I'd love to see more people do that. So hey, try it out sometime. Cool. See you March 13th.